Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Let's pray. God, my Father. God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house, Father. And so many times uh, we take it for granted. We take so much, Lord, that you do for us, Lord, we don't even think about. We'll go through our day and not even think about the breath that you give us and the, and the food that you provide for us, Father, and the, the, the people that are in our lives, Father. And, and God, we don't, a lot of times we don't think about forgiveness, Father, and we don't, we don't think about the, the times that you have healed us from sickness, Father, and we don't, we don't think about so much, Father, that you're responsible for in our lives, Father. We don't think about the times that you've allowed us to go through suffering to bring, to bring us close to you, Father. We, uh, we don't think about all the, the things, the obstacles that you put in our path, Father, to keep us, um, to turn us back to you, Father. There's so much that we let um, slip through and, and that we don't take time to honor you and to praise you, Father. God, I pray, Lord, that you would stir our hearts tonight. God, that you would move upon the people here tonight. God, to, to hear your word and to hear your truth and to abide in your word and abide in your truth, Father. God, that we would be a changed people. God, set apart. We love you and we thank you. It's all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The, the title of tonight's message is A Prayer of Praise. And, and, you know, I wanted to ask the question, like, what is praise? And this is the best that, that I could muster up, and it probably is lacking, but I said praise is when we offer and we declare our admiration and our adoration towards something or someone. Praise. And so do we, do we treat praise, um, what should be primary in our prayer life, do we treat praise as a preliminary? You know, to really get to what... Uh, really is on our mind. A lot of times, I know for me, when I go into prayer, sometimes it's it's that confession is on my mind. I mean, where I have committed an act and I know, um, you know, a thought or a deed or, or a spoken word uh, against God the Father that I know is wrong. And so many times, you know, that's what's on my heart and my mind is confession or, or a need you know, that, that there's a need in my life or there's a need in someone else's life. And, uh, and that's what's on my heart and my mind. And so, so many times, you know, if I do praise in that prayer, many times it's uh, often as, as I feel as just preliminary prayer. Like almost to get it out of the way because I know I'm supposed to. And, and I feel like that is such a travesty in my prayer life. And so, and so tonight, I want to look at that. I want to look at what, what role should praise be in our prayer life. And if that's you too, then, then hopefully and prayerfully, then this will speak to you. As the great author C.S. Lewis, you know, this uh, Christian author, but he wasn't always, right? He, he struggled early on. He, was, uh, he struggled with the idea of God. He was actually an atheist for years. Lewis would often question, even after his conversion, why a God would need praise why would he be so needy as to need the affections and praise and worship of creation 
And, and as I've taught to people who, you know, who are on that same line of thinking, atheists, agnostics, they, they tend to think the same way. Why would, why would God uh, need praise? And, and to be honest with you, m- many Christians probably uh, question it from time to time as well. And may have a hard time understanding that. But as Lewis began to contemplate this idea of praise and worship, he began to rethink the idea that many people struggle with, you know, even today. What Lewis failed to realize initially, but eventually he came around to, was the idea um, that people were made, created to praise. That it was something that was so natural. For people to praise. It is in our very nature to heap praise on that which we admire and adore. We want to tell people that when we see something exciting, like like for instance, you see an exciting sports play, you want to go out and you want to share that. You want to describe it. You want people to share in that moment. Now we have access uh, to, to even replay it for them, right? We want to show it to them on a video. We share those things. You know, we'll see something on on Facebook and we'll share it, right? We won't just like it. We want other people to see it. We want other people to feel, to experience what we felt. It is in our very nature. If we see a feat of nature displayed, if we see a storm, we experience a storm. If we, we see a fire, we see something of nature, a, a beautiful sunset or a sunrise, we want to capture. We'll capture it with a with a video or a, or a picture, and we want to share it. We want people to experience what we experienced. Something, something that is so beautiful or so awe, that, I mean, it puts us in awe that we want to have other people feel the same way as what we did. People will declare of their love of their favorite movie or book, won't they? They'll describe it. Their favorite painting. They'll look at a painting and they'll be in all of it and they'll have to find words to describe it to someone. It's, it's a lonely feeling when you get to experience something by yourself and there's no one to share it with in You're the only one to see it. It's, you're left. You experience joy, but it's like the joy wasn't completely satisfied until you shared the experience. It, it wasn't fully attained. It's like the experience was left with you wanting more. And so, and so as we, we think about that, it's almost like this feeling you want to explode if you don't tell somebody, if you don't share it. We want other people to share in the knowledge that we believe to be true. And that gives us joy, doesn't it? When we share it. Lewis declared this. If God is the great object of admiration behind all other beauties and magnificence, then to praise and admire him would be simply to to awake, wake up from your slumber, wake up into this reality of this real world, because it's almost like closing off your senses. He says, you know, if you know, I I think of it this way, if we're going to share our favorite meal, if I was going to describe this steak, and I was going to tell you about how great this uh, this meal was, this this steak and potato was to me. And I praised the steak and potato. You know, 
And, and I told you about how magnificent it was and how, you know, what if I, what if I said, well, you know, it would, what if I started praising the cow? Because that's where it came from. Or, or the cook, right? The one who grilled it. And, and I started thinking to myself, I said, you know, ultimately, in every single situation, whether it be a sporting event that we watch this great play from the, from the, the couch in our living room, and, and I think about how without eyesight I couldn't have seen it, and without uh, God's grace in that athlete's life, they wouldn't be able to perform that way, and without technology, I would have to actually be at the game to watch it. And, and I start thinking about that every single thing that we enjoy, that it can all go back to that it can all go back to the root, to God. That, that all these things that we get to experience in life, that, that they're all, they all go back to the author of creation. That we don't even have the senses to enjoy them. I don't even have the taste buds to enjoy the steak without God. You know, without the skill and the knowledge to grill it, I, you know, that cook you know, would, would not have the ability to, to make that steak to my liking. And, and it's all because God allows that. Without the cow, there would be no steak. But without God, there would be no cow. And, and it just every single thing goes back to Him. Every channel of pleasure back to, back to Him. A, a chance to, every single channel of pleasure. I think this is how Lewis said it. Every single channel of pleasure is a chance for us to worship and praise God Almighty. And that is what we should do is we should turn it back to Him. He says this, that the delight is incomplete until it's expressed. That our delight in those things, if we're chewing on that steak, is so good, but, it, but it's not until we get to share it and, and say it that, that our delight is complete. We're wired in that way. That God, in His infinite knowledge, He created us. Well, it says in Genesis, we're told that man was made in the image of God. In the image. What, are imi what is the image supposed to do? It's supposed to reflect. And so why, why is mankind made? Is that um, to bear the image of God. There are billions, literally billions around the world. That, that is their purpose for living this life and many of them don't even know it. They don't even know it. I, you know, I talked about it this week in class You know, with, uh, with some of my students that what is our purpose? It's so sad if we live, if we go through this life and we don't understand. It's such a great question. The greatest questions are, you know, where did we come from and why are we here? What happens when we die? But that question, why are we here? It's one that every human being, if, they're, if they live long enough, they'll all contemplate, won't they? And so many of them are left without the knowledge. And you'd be surprised how many in this community are so busy living their lives 
they're living their lives for the image in the mirror, right? Instead of bearing the image of Christ, what their purpose is. And so they spend so much of their life chasing after happiness and they're left wanting. And so here in Isaiah 43, 7, he says it like this. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Why are we created for his glory? He says, whom I formed and made. And yet in Romans 1, 20 and 21, it says this. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so here He says it. He said, here, I've given you. Look, look at what all I've given you. The, the, very, the very fact that you can breathe. The very fact that you can enjoy meals, that you can taste them, the very fact that you can hear beautiful sounds, the very fact that, that you have, you know, access to, to nature itself. It should stop and give everyone pause that they can have any access to at least one of the senses, right? We have all these senses available to us to touch and to taste and to hear, to see. You know, all these different things. And that if we just have one of these senses that we can experience what God has given in His common grace to all. Is that we should stop and think, okay, well where did this come from? Why do I deserve this? So many times our questions are in reverse. Uh, so many times our questions are when we experience something tragic, Right? And we, we want God then, and we want God, God to answer us then. Why me? But we, we refuse to look at His goodness and a, answer or ask the same question. Why me? Why do I get to indulge in this? Why do I get to taste this? Why do I get to experience this beautiful music? Why do I get to experience this life? Why do I get to experience laughing and loving? Why do I get to experience all this, this, the beauty of nature, this sunrise or this sunset, this cool weather? Why do I get to experience it so many times? It's just our perception and our thinking becomes futile and we refuse to give God thanks for what all he's done. Our hearts become darkened. It is our nature. It is our nature to, to live this life selfishly. It is our nature to focus, to dwell on the negative. It is our nature. In verse 23 of that same chapter, it says this, that they exchanged the glory of the immortal God. Immortal. They exchanged His glory for images resembling mortal man. And as John Piper put it, Mainly the man in the mirror. Mainly the man in the mirror. That's what we're exchanging. We want to exchange the glory of God for our glory. We want praise. We don't want to stop sinning. We don't. 
We don't, we don't want to stop and think about the hard questions. We don't. It's against our nature. Nobody wants to stop and think about that how short this life is, how fragile it is, and that we're going to die soon. Nobody wants to stop and think about that. Thank God that he, that he, did, he did that to us. My, what if he wouldn't have done that to you? What if you wouldn't have stopped? What if you would have kept going down that road? What if you would not have stopped and contemplated what happens to me if I die right now in my sins? What happens? In Sunday school, we were, we're just starting the book of Judges. And the quote that we spoke of today was, uh, was from a video about the book of Judges. And it said this, When the people of God are not told the works of God from the Word of God, they lose the wonder of God. I'm going to say it one more time. When the people of God are not told the works of God from the Word of God, they lose the wonder of God. I feel like that's, that's what we do so many times. In Timothy Keller's book, Prayer, he claims that praise motivates all other kinds of prayer. That praise motivates them. You know, like the ones that I talked about earlier. Like confession. And, and like, like our needs. Like supplication. And so, for example, the more we attend to God's perfect holiness and justice, the more we look at His holiness and justice, the more we'll see our own flaws and confess them, right? So as, as we look at Him in this awe of, God, You are so just. You are so holy. Then what that does is it makes us look inward to our own flaws. And that leads to confession. While praise leads to confession. And it leads, it leads about it in the correct way. And that, that, it's, that it's this, that it's this um, I submit to you that, that not only that I confess, but you're so holy and just that, that I've got to be right in your sight. I submit to your word and I believe it's true. It's, it's, not, just a, um, it's not just that guilt or shame, is it? It, it leads to because of understanding, because we're spending time in His Word, because we're looking at, at how just He is, but we, we realize that He has offered up His Son. And so, so it leads to this confession that is true. It leads to real repentance as we praise God and we look at His attributes. For, for example, another example, the more that we sense His majesty... And the more we realize our dependence on Him, the more readily that we go to Him for every need, right? If we, if we study God and we look at His sovereignty, we look at His majesty, if we study God and we look at how dependent that we're supposed to be on Him according to the Word of God, and we praise Him for it, what does that lead to? It leads to a greater understanding that we need to go to Him on every need that we encounter. All field adoration, Keller says, of God. All field adoration of God can help correct the way that we pray for all things. All other things. As uh, one time Keller was preaching, and he was preaching on the Lord's Prayer, and he was preaching about our daily bread, and he says, look, before you pray about daily bread, you need to thank God for what He's already given you. You need to go through and praise God for what He's given you. 
instead of making just this list. You know, and, and a couple weeks later, one of his members, this lady that had heard that, she had obviously been practicing what he had preached. And she comes up to him and she says, you know, thank you. And she says, before I would run right to my prayer list and the more I went through all the problems and needs that I had, the more anxious and burdened I would get. Now I've started spending time thinking about how good and how wise God is and how many prayers He's answered of mine in the past. And when I get to my own needs, now I find I can put them in the hands of the Father and I feel the burden coming off of me rather than on me. And see the the verse that we started with in Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. I, I, what I believe is, is one of the most significant things about this scripture in Psalm 103, as I hope we don't miss, is that David had to tell his soul to bless the Lord. That's so many times. We have to remind ourselves. We have to remind ourselves to praise Him. We have to remind ourselves how good He is. And He says it like this, all that is within me. All of it. Nine times in this chapter, the word all is used. Nine times. You know, this, it shows this commitment that we're to have. All that is within me. Bless His holy name. How can, how can the prideful praise? How can the malcontent praise? How can he offer adoration to the Lord? I believe that, that what David had to do and what we have to do is not think of ourselves. We must be humbled. To offer up praise, we must be humbled. We have to kill pride in our life. It has to go by the wayside. How can we praise? How can we be thankful for that which we're not even thinking about the one who gave it? We're not even thinking of the things that we have. Pride and arrogance it's focused on us. Humility. It's focused back on Him. The one who gives it. An example, an example that uh, Keller also used was plagiarism to describe this. Take that back. That was J.I. Packer. He says plagiarism. I often wondered about this myself. Like, man, you know, I mean, I know plagiarism is wrong, but I mean, they'll kick you out of school, won't they? Plagiarism. And, I, and you know, I, I can remember thinking this, like, man, why is that? Like, why is it so bad? Why is plagiarism so bad? I mean, I know it's cheating, but, like, it seems like extreme. It did to me. I'm not going to lie. It, it seemed extreme to me. But the reason why plagiarism is so bad is because you're taking what's not your own. It's stealing, isn't it? It's theft. It's theft. And going back to that question of, you know, why, why is it that God demands glory and praise as being God? It's because it's, it is literally cosmic theft. It is when we choose to, to heap praise and to heap thanksgiving where it does not belong, we are stealing from God His glory and what He deserves. And He would not be God if He did not demand it. Have we thought about that? 
He would not be God if He did not demand it. Because who deserves, who deserves praise for the painting? The painter, right? If, if the painter was standing by the painting and you were in awe of the painting, then you would look to the painter and you would praise him for what he, his work of art, wouldn't you? You would love to meet the painter behind the painting. The cook behind the steak. Bring out the cook. Let me thank him for this steak that I got to enjoy. I've got to heap praise on him because he was the one that worked this masterpiece. It is the one who is owed, is the creator he is owed for every breath that we take and that we decide not to heap up praise on him. We commit theft. We steal what is God's glory for every single thing that we would not that we refuse to praise and give God glory and honor for, we commit theft. For all those who refuse to see it, for all those who are, who are living a Romans 1 lifestyle, who refuse to see God in all of His glory and thank God for all that He's done, they commit theft of God's glory and His praise and His adoration that belongs to Him. And the fact He created us to enjoy it that we can heap up praise and we're the ones that, that is full. That we can praise the one that gives us life. That we can praise the one that gives us forgiveness. And we can be full of joy because of it. That He is, he is allowing us as we praise and we worship, He is allowing us to, to have relationship with Him. That's what He's allowing. That we get to experience Him. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Why do we, why do we walk around with a drawn face? We have forgotten His benefits. I mean, that's, that's what I know of myself. I mean, that's what I experienced this past week. As I was going through my life and, and I had these things that weren't going my way and the next thing I know, I was lashing out at, at kids. You know? Lashing out at them. And it was because I forgot all his benefits. There is no way that happens if I'm remembering what God has done and I would be filled with joy. I would be. Because when we take time to honor that which God has done in our life, when we take time and we meditate on His Word. Listen what He says. You want to know His benefits? Look in verse 3 of Psalm 103. Who forgives all your iniquity. We could stop right there. Let anything happen. God, as long as you forgive my iniquity. Let the storm come. Let the disease come. Let it come. God, as long as you forgive my iniquity. As long as my, ne my last breath is with is the next breath is with you and I get to see your face then I have nothing 
There is not one day that I should not be able to heap up praise. I know that that is easier said than done. But if we think on the thing that he has given us, his son, how can we not be thankful and praise him? He said, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He forgives, He heals, He redeems. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies us with good and renews our youth like eagles. And He works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. We aren't stirred. If you aren't stirred, we aren't stirred because we're not contemplating these things. Enough? We aren't. Our minds go to trivial. Our minds go to the now. We aren't stirred because we aren't contemplating what that means for those who are called according to His purpose. But even if we suffer here, we must remember what Romans 8 says. In Romans 8, in, in verse 18, it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And in verse 22, it says this, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We long for these things because not all of them have come, right? I mean, there are those who are sick and have not had healing. There are those that are persecuted with no relief, right? There are, there are many that are destitute and it feels like they have no hope. So we wait. We wait, but we know we should place our, our hope in, and trust in the fact that the Word of God says that He is coming and He's coming soon. It says in verse 23, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Moses warned the nation of Israel 14 times in the book of Deuteronomy to not forget God. Do not forget His promises. Do not forget His commands. Do not forget God and all that He has done for you. But so many times, and I mean, you think if He, if he says it that many times, then, then He knows, He knows probably just like Himself that He struggled Himself with that it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget what God has done. It's so easy to forget what God has already pulled us through. What He's already allowed us to experience. 
and the sin in our heart keeps us from giving ultimate praise and thanksgiving. The sin in our heart. That which, that which we refuse to let go of. That which we hold dear. That which we have not decided to lay down at the feet of Jesus Christ to say that he is worth more than this. That can, that can stifle your praise and, and it can stifle your thanksgiving more than anything. What do we do about it? What do we do about this, this idea that it's so hard for us to stir up praise for God the Father? Lewis says this, C.S. Lewis says that we have to make every pleasure a channel of adoration. Every pleasure a channel of adoration. He says that a lack of praise is a lack of reality. We're suppressing the truth that we see. That we're suppressing this idea that of all what God has given us. And that we're buying into the lies of Satan. That we're so focused on all the things of ourself that we've forgotten all the things of God. That we've forgotten what is declared in Psalm 103, 1 through 6. We've forgotten about His forgiveness. We have forgotten about His healings. We have forgotten about all the things that He has offered up to us. We've forgotten about Christ on the cross because here as we see the picture of Christ on the cross is that we see it. We see all of the love and all of the ju justice of God. All of the wrath poured in one. We see it all. And, and as we look at the cross that, that we should be stirred. Listen, if the cross does not stir you, if Jesus Christ laying His life down for you, a sinful wretch, if it does not stir you, you need to be at the altar tonight. You need to be on your face in prayer. You need to be contemplating the hard questions in your life because you are thinking about the wrong things if the cross of Christ does not stir you. If it does not. Lewis finishes with this, the worthier the object the more intense the delight for that object. The more that we see how worthy that God is, the more intense our delight for Him. It will be like, it'll be like that sports play. It'll be like that sunset that you had to share. It'll be like that, that good meal. It will be like that love of, of that significant other that you just got to tell somebody about you that 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 delight is not fulfilled it is not complete until you express it that will be what it will be like some might say that the man or woman who cannot praise has shut off all senses to what God has accomplished it is the very reason that we were created to glorify him to praise and worship him and in no other way can we be fully satisfied other than that which we were created to do. Theologian Augustine put it this way. You have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless 
And so they find their rest in you. Do you feel that way? Do you feel restless? Because I'm telling y'all, I do so many times I feel restless. And the only times that I feel true comfort and peace and rest is in Him. It's when I see the truth. When I get to experience Him in His glory. God, I'm asking for that for us tonight. That those who chose, we're few in number tonight, but those who chose to come and to, to experience God, that He would be experienced, that we sell ourselves short and that we do God a grave injustice by coming and just turning a deaf ear to His Word. We might as well stay at home if we turn a deaf ear to His Word. We might as well walk out the door. We might as well close the doors. Turn off the lights. He says this, Augustine, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Wherever the soul of man turns, unless towards God, it, it cleaves to sorrow, even though the things outside God and outside itself to which it cleaves may be things of beauty. Those things are not God. They're just His creation. They can be very good things, but nothing, nothing surpasses His worth. And for us to put anything in His spot, in His place, we do ourselves a grave injustice indeed. Augustine would declare this, do not love out of order. Not even a spouse or a child. Not even the church family or the idea of church. Not the creation, but the Creator. How do we as a church, how do we live in unity and live with the purpose that God desires? I'm asking y'all that, church. How do we? How do we live in unity? How do we do this together? How do we live with purpose in the way that God would want this church, how He would want you to live with purpose? How do we do that? Is it impossible? We must love God supremely. That's how. We must love God supremely. That is, that is the one thing that binds us all together. If we start looking at, our, at all the differences and all the things that we desire, all of our desires are going to splinter us, aren't they? But there is one desire that we must have that unites us above all others as a church. is that we must love God supremely. He must come before anything else. His desires, His will for our life. We must love Him above it all. How do we do that? How do we love God supremely? We must praise and adore Him. That is how we love Him. Is we praise and adore Him. But how do we praise and adore Him? How do you do that? We must be reminded of the works that He has done. By the Word of His truth. By His testimony. So that we might be stirred to the wonder and amazement of God Almighty. That's how we love Him. That's how we heap up praise. Is we look at His works. 
We look at our life and we, and we count our blessings. We do as that old song says, that old hymn, is that we count our blessings one by one. If you don't feel stirred tonight, it's because you're not thinking about what all He's done. You are not thinking about the cross. You're not thinking about the breath that He's given you. You are not thinking about the blessings that He has showered upon you. You're only thinking about your own selfish nature. That's when I'm not stirred. It's only the times that I think selfishly. It's only the times that I think on the negative. It's never when I think about the cross. Because when I think about the sacrifice of the cross, when I think about all what God has done, why should it not stir me? Why shouldn't it not stir up emotion and I offer up praise? And when I'm stirred and I offer up praise in the midst of even tragedy, in the midst of hard circumstances, in the midst of unsurety, when we offer up praise as Paul and Silas did in the prison, when we offer up praise as Job did in the middle of heartache, when we offer up Praise in the middle of tragedy as David did when he lost his baby. Our focus is not on ourselves, is it? That we can see past. We can see past in the true reality. We must see past in the true reality tonight. That is the only way that we can praise the Father. The way that He truly deserves you have to see past to reality. The reality is if we wake up, if we wake up, we'll see it. If we're shaken awake, shake out of it. Shake out of it and see what God has done for you. And see if you cannot stir your heart to be affectionate towards Him. See if you cannot stir praise and thanksgiving. Let us pray. God, my Father, God, I pray, Lord, that, that, God, that you would stir us tonight, Father, that we would, God, that we would not just leave and not think on these things, Father, but, God, that we wouldn't be able to think about anything other than this. And God, that you would remind us of all your goodness and your mercy and grace in our lives that you would remind us of your forgiveness God that you would remind us of your love of your sacrifice God your, of your majesty of your sovereignty God that we can trust you that we can place all our cares upon you, Father. God, remind us of how glorious you are. Show us, Father. God, you deserve praise. You deserve honor. You deserve all the glory. We deserve none. God, I pray, Lord, that you would humble us. Strip pride from us, Father. God, help us to be image bearers of Christ. Help us to be what we are called to, Father. Help us to be the, for that which we were made, Father. Help us to see our greater purpose. God, help us not to focus on ourselves, but to focus on You. God, we love You and we thank You. 
Pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.